Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning as investors assess corporate earnings. Joining me now as we break down all the market action is Ryan Huang. Happy hump day, Ryan. Happy hump day, Michelle. Have you spent your CDC vouchers? Uh, a bit. I've been to the hawker centres to spend some of it. So I think I've got about 100 bucks left. And of course, supermarket vouchers, still quite a bit to go on that as well. Then, How about you? I, well, I've claimed mine. Me, along with 95% of Singaporeans, have claimed our vouchers. I haven't spent a cent yet. I hmm. should remind myself because you know what happened last year? I did not spend all my vouchers and they expired. Wow. So you yeah. gave it back to the <laughs> government. <laughs> Let's not do that this year, Michelle. We begin this morning with Southeast Asia's biggest bank, DBS. It's just opened its financial books for the fourth quarter and the results are coming in below analyst expectations. DBS netted nearly $2.4 billion from October to December. That is a touch higher than a year earlier, but still less than the markets were expecting. Ryan, why are DBS's earnings coming under pressure? Yeah, so it's pretty much what I've been talking about for quite some time. Rates are coming down and that affects banks' profitability. So margins under pressure on that front. So due to a lower net interest margin backdrop and also seasonally lower non-interest income, that plays into the fourth quarter numbers to be weaker compared to the third quarter. And on that basis, net profit was down 9%. Mm -hmm. And you've got... Uh, I guess uh, shaky days ahead with the outlook for rates potentially coming down to put even more pressure. So on that front, at least there's some weakness, but a couple of bright spots for DBS. DBS facing pressure on its net interest margins. There are some one-time costs related to the company's acquisition of Citigroup's Taiwan consumer banking business, as well as a $100 million charge related to DBS's charitable commitments. For 2023 as a whole, DBS's profits were pretty good, up 26% over 2022 levels. DBS is proposing a dividend of $0.54 cents per share for the fourth quarter, plus a bonus share for every 10 shares held. I imagine investors should like that. DBS's CEO Piyush Gupta, meanwhile, is facing a steep pay cut. This is not directly related to DBS's earnings. So why is DBS paying Gupta 30% less, Ryan? Yeah, so it all comes down to the well, misfortune of sorts that DBS had to go through in the past year. And you might remember the headlines around disruptions. And that really played into things like more restrictions on the banks and of course a hit to DBS's reputation and of course investors sold off a bit on that. So all in, it's seeing management including Piyush Gupta take a bit of a pay cut. So you've got collectively the DBS Group Management Committee seeing their pay cut by 21% year on year mm. for Piyush Gupta being the top boss he gets a deeper cut 30% reduction so that I suppose is his way at least one way of being held accountable for the management Gupta's 30% pay cut equates to about $4 million. He is still one of the highest paid people in Singapore. In 2022, Gupta earned more than $15 million. If we take a step back now, Ryan, what do you think of the state of DBS's business going forward? Yeah, it's got a pretty compelling story here of growth. And you pointed out how it has already 
uh, a presence in many places in Southeast Asia as well as the wider Asian market as well, like Taiwan and Indonesia. So you've got that growing for it. And also, if you look at what it's been proposing, dividends are higher. Final dividend of 54 cents per share for the fourth quarter. There's an increase of six cents from previous payout. And to reward investors even more, it's giving out a one for 10 bonus issue. So in terms of getting, I guess, bang for your buck, it is now seeing the dividend yield including the 1 for 10 bonus share issue, that will mean a dividend yield 7.5%. So it is quite attractive as a bank stock. So that is likely to support DBS's uh, investor interest at least. So a lot of things going well for DBS despite the well negative headlines around disruptions and pay cuts. How attractive as a bank stock? Let's take a step back and look at how DBS's stock is performing. It has been coming under some pressure. DBS's shares are down 5% since the beginning of the year, and they are down 12% over the past 12 months. We'll see if the issuance of those new bonus shares and the fourth quarter dividend payments give the stock a boost. There are plenty more earnings announcements to assess here in Singapore this morning, and to do this, we do it upward down style. We're starting with a property and retail counter Wing Tai. Up or down, Ryan? All right. Wing Tai is going to be a down for me. And this is despite recording net profit for the first half of the financial year ended December of $20.5 million. Uh, This was a 68% drop compared to the same period a year ago. So this is a bit of a downer based on a one-off right back based on a tax provision provision that it did not no longer need anymore. So that is something that is a one-off um, bounce. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, disregarding that, revenue was down 63%, mainly due to lower contributions from its development properties. So... Overall, a down for Wing Tai. Wing Tai's profits plunged 68% during the first half of its financial year, which was from July to December. Wing Tai's revenue is down, so is its net asset value. And its share price is in bear market territory, down 21% over the past 12 months. That is definitely a down. Let's now look at BRC Asia. This is a main board listed company that works with steel reinforcement. Is it up or down, Ryan? It's looking up for BRC. So it's building on some of its results and its outlook is looking upbeat. And this is where it's citing things like Audiobook standing in at around $1.3 billion and projects are coming in. It's looking quite encouraging or optimistic for its forecast for construction demand, calling it um, pretty... Um, encouraging in Singapore for the local reinforcing steel industry in the short to medium term, despite some concerns about credit risk and a heightened inflationary environment, it is looking optimistic for the coming quarters. Yes, I'd say BRC Asia is definitely an up. If you look at its first quarter of financial year from October to December, its profit soared 46%. The company is bullish about its business going forward as well, thanks to those upbeat forecasts for Singapore construction. Let's take a look at the beverage maker, FNN. It's a bit of a mixed bag for FNN. Mm. Um, I have some... About leaning towards it being a down. So its first quarter revenue was impacted by unfavorable foreign exchange translation. So that was a bit of a downer when it came to some of its numbers. And we are looking at net profit of 
1.8 million. That is a more than 50% jump from the same period a year before, Mm-mm. but its revenue took a dip of 0.2% to $531.6 million. So it did get some strong points coming through from revenue growing in the soft drinks, beer and dairy products side of business. So that was good. And this also benefited from higher prices. Not so good is the printing and publishing segment, which was down 15% on lower print orders and retail sales. FNN is up in my book. I'm looking at its net profits jumping more than 50% during the October to December period. FNN shares have traded flat since the beginning of the year and they have been down 10% over the past 12 months. So perhaps these latest earnings numbers will give the stock a boost. Let's look now at NetLink. Yeah, talking about a boost, NetLink is an up for me and mm. this is with the Fiber Network Provider reporting $85.1 million in profit for the first nine months of its FY 2024 and December. Mm-hmm. That is a 4% increase from the same period a year ago because of improved earnings. And that helped to offset some of the higher net finance costs, depreciation and income tax expenses. Indeed. So NetLink in the green as well, though not by as much as BRC Asia and FNN. We're still on up or down. And let's turn to two global giants in the book. Uh, One focuses on energy and the other on finance. Both have their roots in Europe. One is in the UK and the other is in Switzerland. Can you guess who they are? I have another clue for you. Both have acronyms for their names. So one is two letters and the other is three letters. Global giants, one on energy, one in finance. Okay, so taking a look at oil giant BP and the financial powerhouse UBS, both companies are reporting earnings that have come in above expectations. But beyond that, they also have something else in common, something I think investors will definitely appreciate. What is it, Ryan? Yeah, it is share buybacks. That's music to the ears of investors because it's supportive for share prices typically. Mm. And for UBS, it is talking about recommencing share buybacks in the second half of the year to the tune of up to $1 billion. So good news on that front for UBS. And along the share buybacks, UBS is proposing a dividend per share of $0.70, which is up 27%. So good news for UBS shareholders. It wasn't enough to boost its stock overnight, though. Shares of UBS fell 5.5% in U.S. trade. Let's take a step back now, Ryan. The big story at UBS has to be the acquisition of Credit Suisse, which was a bit of a shotgun marriage, if you recall. So Credit Suisse was on the verge of going under when the Swiss government's brokered this deal. So how is UBS's integration with Credit Suisse going? And is this affecting UBS's overall profitability at all? Yeah, as many would expect, it's not a straight road. You've got some speed bumps, you've got some costs to factor in as well. And that comes to the tune of $2 billion. So all in, UBS um, had a bigger than expected net loss of $785 million for that stretch. And this factored in that huge chunk of money they had to cough up for the integration of Credit Suisse. UBS says the first phase of integration is complete and it expects to finish the merger by the end of Q2. I'm going to turn to BP now. Its profits dropped sharply last year. They fell more than 
by 50% for BP from nearly 28 billion US dollars in 2022 fell to about 14 billion this past year. What is behind the drop? Yeah, so I think if you look back in the past year, we had oil prices moving because of various reasons. And if you look back in the past two years, we had some conflicts, especially in the year before you had the Ukraine war. And that supported share prices or rather oil prices and then things started to come down a bit so at one point we saw oil prices at around 120 dollars plus but in the past year it's come down to around 80 dollars plus per barrel so that has implications for bp profits because of how much they can sell and for how much so that's one of the factors we saw play out in its latest quarter quarter, profits uh, were down for BP on the front. For both BP and UBS, I am struck by how the bar that markets set must have been quite low. I mean, both companies are exceeding expectations, but UBS is in the red, even if it is related to the cost of absorbing Credit Suisse and BP's profits plunged. Um, What do you think? Yeah, it's a very tough one for the energy sector. So you might remember back in 2022, BP was making so much profit alongside the other oil majors that the governments are talking about windfall taxes. Uh, But things have turned around so much that they are starting to moderate in terms of growth. And of course, you've got all the climate change activists starting to put pressure on the company as well. So it is really a tough road for BP ahead to Mm. navigate. For UBS, it's also a bit of an uneasy road ahead because of the integration of Credit Suisse. So that's going to play out in the next year or so in terms of the synergies they can find and integration as well. So a bit of a question mark. There is upside, but it is going to be... hanging in the air, a few question marks. Yes, yes, I do agree with you there on the question marks of the year ahead. Let's look at corporate earnings and instead of up or down style, we're going to do it uh, heat, temperature style. What's hot and what's not? So let's start with Eli Lilly. Um, what are you seeing? We talked on this show yesterday actually about strong demand for Novo Nordis's weight loss and diabetes drugs, uh, Wegovi and Ozempic. How is Eli Lilly doing in this whole sphere of weight loss? Yeah, pretty much the same tune. They are talking it up and they are saying the weight loss drug demand will outstrip the supply. So I suppose if you're selling it, you would want to sell your pictures, all right? Saying, hey, more people are going to buy my stuff. And I suppose to that extent, it's true. We keep hearing stories about the shortage of these products. So for Eli Lilly, they sell stuff like Monjaro and Zbound. That's the name of their weight loss products. And if you look at the demand picture, that is going to be supportive of their share price. Indeed. So Eli Lilly is experiencing strong demand for its weight loss and diabetes treatments as well. Eli Lilly's weight loss drug is called Zbound. It raked in 175 million US dollars in sales in the fourth quarter. Higher prices for Eli Lilly's diabetes treatment Munjaro drove profits as well. So I'd say Eli Lilly is hot. All right, let's look at the console Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo. I think uh, most kids growing up in my time would have had a Nintendo. So right now, Nintendo is seeing a bit of a comeback. It's raised its full year sales forecast for the Switch to 15.5 million units. So that is up from 15 million units 
previously. Mm-hmm. And it does look like it is able to still squeeze out some life out of this. Actually, quite, I would say, an old console. So there's a lot of talk about when we will see the next Switch. This current version is already eight years old. So there's a lot of talk about having a new Switch to drum up demand. Eight years old, but still hot. Looking at sales for Nintendo's Switch, customized editions of the Switch featuring Super Mario and Animal Crossing themes have boosted sales. So they've come up with innovative ways to sell these consoles over the years. Okay, I cannot fall asleep without one of these going on my phone, a Spotify podcast. So how's Spotify looking? What do you listen to when you go to sleep on Spotify? I listen to you, of course. <laughs> well, anything that helps you, Michelle. So let's take a look at fourth quarter numbers for Spotify and the monthly active users and subscribers coming in quite well for Spotify above expectations in all regions and Spotify is saying revenue and profitability profitability trends are also looking favorable this year so all in it looks like more people are tuning in podcasts and audiobooks and it is set to grow its user base to 1 billion users by 2030. Spotify is hot. Shares of Spotify jumped 8% in intraday trade overnight as investors cheered the company's subscriber numbers. Nearly 620 million people use Spotify on a regular basis every month. International markets are driving Spotify's growth. What were we doing before podcasts? I'm not sure. Uh, let's look at NY Bancorp. All right, let's take a look at the stock here. And this is the regional bank in the US. And it's been going through some tough times as it had to set aside provisions for potential losses in especially commercial real estate sector. So it is now under pressure yet again, extending a sell-off after reporting a surprise quarterly loss last week. So more people heading for the exits for New York Community Bangkok. Indeed. We talked about this uh, right here on Your Money recently about this regional U.S. bank, NYC Bangkok. Its share price fell another 22% overnight and is down 60% since releasing its earnings just a week ago. Investors are dumping NYC Bangkok shares following a ratings downgrade and concerns about its portfolio. That is definitely not hot. Let's check in on local markets now. The Straits Times Index finished down a quarter percent yesterday at 31.25. Semcorp Industries was the biggest loser amongst the blue chips. It fell nearly 2%. Singtel was not far behind. Shares of the telco dropped 1.7%. On the other side of the table, VentureCorp and DFI Retail attracted some interest from bargain hunters. DFI Retail gained 1.5%. VentureCorp climbed 1.8%. Our last word today goes out to the office sharing space WeWork. Remember Adam Newman? He is the controversial founder of WeWork. He was forced out in 2019 after the formerly high-flying company failed to go public amid a host of concerns about corporate governance. There's a popular podcast and Apple TV series about this called We Crashed. Well, get this. Nearly five years after being forced out, Newman is trying to why we work again? What do you make of this? Yeah, it's we back now. <laughs> so I am not sure if it's good news or we work or not. But in any case, he is coming in at a very good timing, right? He got out at a high. In fact, he still managed to make money when he was um, forced out of WeWork and now he gets back in again when it's seeing such a tough time and his valuation is so low. I suppose it's even more upside and downside from this point on. 
You remember when Newman was head of WeWork, he turned what had been a mundane business into a sector that really created buzz. He talked about building the largest networking community on the planet. Was it all hubris though? I have to say, I, I think it's almost inconceivable that Newman could regain the helm of WeWork after he ran it into the ground. But if he does, what a comeback story, don't you think? <laughs> well, at least the initial part. I'm not sure what happened after he goes back into WeWork, if you know, what sort of new plans will take place, or will it just re-crash for a second time? Oh my gosh. There's a great podcast you want to check out on Audible. We Crash, The Rise and Fall of We Work. No ads, by the way. Um, really good. Really, really good. So we'll keep an eye out on that for you. What's the rest of Wednesday looking like for you? All right. So I've got lots of stuff to catch up on as mm-hmm. we head into the Lunar New Year break. And of course, next week, not just budget, Valentine's Day. So, so much to work out <laughs> and so little time. How about you, Michelle? <gasps> Um, yes, I like to jump on the house cleaning uh, bandwagon Spring. in preparation of New Year, right? Isn't All right, that you've important? Got, you've got a Roomba, right? A Roomba? Yeah. Just I'm still waiting for you to gift me my Roomba. Oh, all right, all right. If you're a fan of Michelle Martin, you know where to um, look for her. Uh, Yeah, all all help is welcome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.